God, I just want to take a moment now, Lord, to, um, to just thank you for the work that you do in our hearts. Um, God, we understand that we're not just um, flesh and, and, and bones, but God, we are spirit, but Lord, we also have uh, emotions as well. And Lord, I pray that you would truly make us as a church emotionally healthy. God, that our spirituality won't be dwarfed by our emotions, Lord, that our our future and our calling won't get uh, capped and limited by our emotions, but that, God, you would use us as whole beings that you have restored to do mighty and great works for you. So, Lord, this morning we open our hearts, and, God, we just pray that you would speak to us in the deepest place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week uh, we began by talking about emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And so Carl really set up um, the way Saul sort of lived his life. Um, You heard about daily office this morning. Saul did not do daily office. He didn't have a practice of reflection and taking time to be self-aware. And that's what so many of us do. We can just get on with life and do what we do. And we're not really aware of what's going on on the inside of us. And so we do things and then we might, maybe we think later on, why did I just do that? You know, I just snapped at somebody or I just felt oh so annoyed or, or maybe something happened and you think, why did that happen? And we see that's what Saul did not do. He, he reacted and he responded, but he never sat and went, why am I doing this? What is actually beneath the surface? He said no to cultivating a personal relationship with God. And he said no to being broken through setbacks, tests, and suffering. And I know, isn't that the way you you see people, and I know that I've been there, something has happened in in your life, and you should be broken about it, but you just go, I've still got this. And we sort of still clamor, and we sort of go, no, 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 I still need to protect the top 10% um, that people see of my life. So we sort of clamor around, and we try to sort of give the impression that I've got this all under control. You know, we want to keep it all together. And I can relate to that. I remember when we as a staff went to uh, a session, a day session, uh, where these guys were there presenting. Um, And I remember seeing the picture of the iceberg. And I honestly thought, you know, the iceberg is the the 10%. And underneath that is the 90% of all of the emotions that we have and all of the the things that we we feel, uh, these things called emotions. And I remember turning to somebody and saying, why can't we just leave it the way it is? Why can't we just get our feelings and stuff them deep, deep down inside so that nobody will ever see them ever again? Um, Because that's healthy, because then we just get to see the top 10%. And I was joking, but probably wasn't joking. Um, You know, there's some truth in wanting to keep the appearance of that everything's going okay, I'm doing just fine, and just, just keep going along. And if there's a prayer or a hope, that I have for this series is that Catalyst Church will be a people who stop stuffing their emotions down. That we won't be like Saul and respond in ways that we don't know where that came from. But we will actually say, you know what, I'm going to have the courage to say, you know what, I'm not okay. And you would have heard it before, it's okay to not be okay. Some of the, the greatest personal growth I've had in my life is when I've just sat with God and said, God, I'm not okay. I should be okay, but I'm not okay. And I'm telling you, um, I see a lot of people saying, you know, I've got to do all these things so that I'm accepted by God. 
And so there's a different motivator for them. They say, if I, if I can be on this committee, if I can have this role, if I can let people see that the top 10% is, is really good and it's worth looking at, then we sort of say, um, maybe I'll get some kind of self-worth from that. And I'm telling you, it's a sick way to get self-worth. You're actually trying to earn something from God that you've already got. God gives us self-worth. In Christ, you can go from feeling like nothing and then you you become a Christian and you're like, man, God, I feel like I'm actually valued. Or at least that was my experience. And so if we're still trying to earn self-worth through other things by appearance and looking like we've got everything under control and and you know, no, we're not angry when really we're angry or we're not sad when we're suffering and grieving. When we try to earn self-worth by any other means than through Christ, then it's really a slap in the face of God because God has given us acceptance and he's given you self-worth and then we try to get it through other means. And so today we're going to look at know yourself that you may know God. Um, And we see David doing such a brilliant job of knowing himself that he would know God and he knew his God and he knew who he was and he took those two truths and he just went forward and did great things for God. You know, I I can remember for me when I was a teenager some years ago, not as long as some of you, so don't judge me, but uh, when I was a a teenager in uh, in youth, um, I remember... That we would have praise and worship and they would be jumping and carrying on and screaming like good little Pentecostal church that I was a part of. And uh, they were going for it. And, and I was like sort of sitting there, standing there with my hands in my pockets. And then sometimes I'd do a bit of this just to be cool or, you know, to express myself in a really crazy, exciting way. And, um, and you know, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of like dancing and physical expression. Isn't that true? I hate dancing, so <laughs> you can ask Pastor Carl. I don't love it. But so I'm standing there. Now, here's what was actually happening under the surface. I had just become a Christian. God was healing me from some incredibly deep, deep wounds. And I was there as a young believer. I was so, like, just an absolute emotional mess. And in my heart, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to sit and stand in the presence of God. I can't believe that He's healing me. And I was listening to the words that they would say and I could just feel such a great, like, man, God, you're you're incredible. You're exciting. But on the outside, I was doing this. And my youth pastor came up to me and said, listen, if you don't jump and scream and shout, then you're not going to be one of our leaders. You can't be a leader in youth if you're not going to jump and scream and shout and and I, I felt guilty, for, and, and this wasn't one time, this was many times he would say this. I felt so guilty because I thought, am I not giving God my best? Because they, they literally said, you need to make sure that you give God your best. You know, this is, what, this is how we worship God here. And I was, I was shattered because I thought, I thought I loved God, but then I wasn't so sure. And I remember God whispering to me and, and just sort of saying something along the lines of, just be yourself. Um, That was really hard for me to do because it wasn't in the context of EHS where we're saying, be who you are, be yourself. It wasn't in an environment like Catalyst where it's okay if you jump and scream and shout and it's okay if you don't. What's important is your discipleship with Christ. And I love that about this church. But it wasn't that way. And you know what I found? 
the more I was true to myself and the more I just went, you know what, this is who I am, I'm, I'm, this is deep and this is meaningful to me, actually the more extroverted I became. Because now they say you can't change whether you're an introvert or extrovert. I don't know what the heck I am these days. But what I'm saying to you is that I felt like an introvert massively, but there's some environments where I feel very extroverted and it's okay to be who you are. And the more I got to know God and the more I got to know the way God has made me, the more I realized that, man, I, I'm, I'm confident, I'm comfortable. And there's a confidence you can have when you know God and you know yourself. So what we want you to do is not be an imposter. For me to do that would be just me faking it and just be, oh, it's got to be who people think I should be. Maybe people say to you, you know, what? Why don't you come out and you know go and do this and let's 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 go explore Brisbane or something, and you might be thinking I can't be bothered. I just want to stay here and do nothing, which is generally my answer to Mish. I literally want to do nothing, like nothing, sit and do nothing, and um, and she's like, yeah, let's go do this and and have fun, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is fun, just sitting here doing nothing. And so I want to give you the counter because on one hand we're saying be who you are. But I also don't want you to be selfish either. You know, because I love my wife, I go and do stuff. And honestly, have fun, go explore, and it's really cool. But, you know, you've got to draw that line between being who you are and, and, and not being selfish. Selfish, I can't say that. I was going to say something. You can't be selfish, all right? Be a nice person and love people. All right, moving right along. Um, maybe you see people and you're being, you know, all affectionate and kind and happy. But the truth is you're, you're, you're disappointed about something. Life has done something to you. Your week has done something to you and you're disappointed and you're sad and you might even be a little bit angry, but you, you put on your happy face. I want to say that you are being an imposter. You're not being your true self. You're, you're being your, a false self and you're actually putting on this image of, you know what, I'm happy, everything's good. Now, I'm not saying be a miserable person, Okay, I'm not saying be this horrible grouch that just walks around and I'm angry so I'm just going to be grumpy and hate everyone. Let's not take this to the extreme. But don't be inauthentic. You can't live in that space and expect yourself to be emotionally healthy. Um, turning to Genesis chapter 3, if you want to turn there, and, uh, and verse 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering, coverings for themselves. And you know, in this incredible moment in scripture, I believe that um, the integration between the inside of us and the outside of us was broken. All of a sudden, we were, we were hiding. They were clothing themselves. Now, that's a good practice. Keep it up. Clothe yourselves well. But cheap naked joke, that one. Really terrible, wasn't it? But, um, you know, they, they were divided. They were, they were, they, there was no integration between, you know, who they really were. There was now hiding. And there was, there was the construction of the false self. Um, you know, they couldn't just be their true authentic self. There was a hiding between man and between God. And then it begins to really get very, very messy in Genesis 3, Genesis 4. 
you start to see things go really, really bad um, really quick. So here are some ways that we are very much like Adam and Eve. We are divided within ourselves. We're unsure of who we are, and so we wrestle inside. And so we end up covering the authentic, true self of who we are in God for fear of, um, of just, just fear and shame. And so we cover ourselves up just like they did. And, and that's, it's a part of sin. We cover ourselves up. Now, I'm telling you, you don't have the choice with clothing, but you do have the choice when it comes to um, your emotions and who you are and being vulnerable. And you're, you're blessed that you're in a safe place. Find safe people and be vulnerable and, and say who you are. But I understand that that can be a scary thing to do. So I want to list to you some symptoms. Um, you should see them on the screen of what it might be to be your false self. So number one, am I the kind of person that says yes when I really mean no? Or do I get depressed when people are upset with me? Um, I have a need to be approved by others to feel good about myself. Um, each of those is a symptom of something larger and deeper going on on the inside of your well. Or I act nice to somebody on the outside, but on the inside, I can't stand you. Um, I often remain silent in order to keep the peace. Uh, I believe that if I make mistakes myself, that I am a failure. Or I criticize others in order to feel better about myself. Or I, I try to avoid looking weak or foolish for not having the answer. I love that person in the room who just goes, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that is like my favorite person because I'm normally thinking, I don't know what they're talking about, but I don't want to look like an idiot. So it's really good. Um, okay, or um, I have to be doing something exceptional to feel alive. Or I have to be needed to feel alive. Or, um, or, or I'm fearful and unable to take risks. Or I do what others want so they won't get mad at me. Or I use knowledge and, and confidence to cover my feelings of inadequacies. Um, or I want my children to behave well. This is a good one. I want my children to behave well so others will think I'm a good parent. You know, love seeing parental explosions in public places. It's hilarious. Um, could go a lot of places there. Um, I am, or, or I compare myself to other people. They're just 15 um, different things that can really make you maybe for the first time aware that I'm probably living out of a false self. Um, you know, they're, they're not great things that we want to do. And so looking at David in a bit more detail now, I, I love the story of David and Goliath. It's like one of these great stories you hear about. And if you were raised in church and sung songs like, I don't know, joys of flag flying high in the castle. Of my, I just right now I can see who grew up in church are like, yep. I got saved when I was 12. God delivered me from all of that, so I was quite lucky. But, um, but yeah, you, you see all those things. And so when you grew up, you went to children's church, and you probably had a felt board, and you had little David and, and, and bigger Goliath, and, you know, they played out the whole story. That is not the memory you should have of David and Goliath. This is a bloody, brutal, fear-filled story of, of a whole bunch of Israelites who were petrified of this crazy, huge guy. Um, I want to read to you First uh, Samuel. This is sort of where we're really going to be landed for the rest of this message. Um, chapter 17 and verse 4. It says, A champion named 
Goliath, who was from Gath, um, came out of the Philistine camp. He was six cubits and a span. Now, I have no idea how many cubits I am, but this guy was three meters tall. I think it's like 2.9. So like, let, let me give you an example. I'm trying to look at something here. This is going to mess up the video, guys. So if anyone's watching this, deal with it. So this is 1.8. This is about two meters here with my Lebanese hands. I can tell you that's 230 mil. That's how us wogs do things. That's two meters. And um, you guys are so racist. You shouldn't have laughed at that. So a meter is like, can I even touch a meter? I don't even know. That would be about, a me- about three meters high. All right, now, I can't walk, that's all right. But that, that would be about three metres high. Can you imagine coming up against that guy and thinking, oh, I've got this. I mean, little David, it said, the Bible says he was handsome. It, that, that's not a good thing. Right? Uh, it's okay, some terrorist has come in here. It's okay, Carl's handsome, he'll take care of it. <laughs> um, anyway, so, <laughs> this, yeah, can you imagine the fear that was invoked fighting this guy. He was huge and he wasn't one of those tall, dangly guys who can't walk or, you know, he was fit, agile, ready to fight and, and he was defending people. He, he was like saying things like, come over here, I will tear your flesh apart and feed you to the birds. And I don't think there was an ounce of fear in that man's voice because when he was young, he was trained and he was groomed for this and he was absolutely enormous. His coat of armor was like 56.69 kilo, just his armor. A couple of months ago, I had to lift a sheet of glass upstairs. I was out for three months. I popped three ribs. Like I was gone. It was about that weight. It was about 50 something kilos. It, it was incredible how big he was and how scary he was. So even now, try to equate that to something in your life. Maybe you're not afraid of a Goliath. Maybe you're so super strong and you could take him down and that doesn't relate to you. But what brings you to your knees? What is the thing in your life that you just, you just go, you know what, that that is a Goliath for me? Because that's what David was facing and that's what the Israelites were facing. So David comes out of this environment where everybody is afraid, where all of the Israelites and all of the army were afraid. They were terrified. Goliath had come out a total of 80 times over 40 days and taunted them. And says every time they'd see him, they'd, they'd like run away because he's not felt bored, joys of flag flying high in the castle, Goliath. He's big, scary, terrifying Goliath. And they were justifiably afraid. But David knows himself and he knows God. And so he cuts through the obstacles and he comes out of all of this dysfunction. And we take up the rest in um, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 23. This will give you a real picture. Um, As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? 
Um, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, he knew God. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And so David finds here, this is his first hurdle. David is a shepherd boy. He's not a warrior. He comes out. He hears this fool going off about his God and his people. And he says, something has to be done about this. And so he's just a shepherd boy. And the first obstacle he finds here is his family. Now, Eliab was the oldest of all of the brothers. Um, and the Bible says that the father was actually aged and he was, um, he was dying. So in their culture, Eliab would have been the one with the fatherly authority. And so the greatest authority um, in his family world was saying to him, you are conceited and you are wicked that you would even come here. And you, you just want to come to see the battle. You, you know, go back to those few sheep that you've got. And I want to tell you, your first battle sometimes will be your own upbringing, your family. So your battle to emotional health, just like David, could be your family or your upbringing. And we learn very quickly that even if we had brilliant parents who did their absolute best, we do grow up with, um, with a voice in our head that you know, might, might be anything but encouraging. Um, David grew up with a, a voice in his own head that basically said, you know what, just shut up and go home. Just, you're not wanted, you're not important. Go and look after those few sheep. Um, you know, you shouldn't be here, just go away. And yet David is, um, he cuts through his unsupportive environment. You don't even see David's mum mentioned in, in the scriptures. She, we don't even know, maybe she's not around. The point is, David has an unsupportive family environment. He gets this message from his family and it just says, you know what, you're a nothing. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. If you've ever gone to do something great and something big and then you've just had this thought like, you know what, I, I, I couldn't do that. I, I, I'm, I'm not anybody special. But David knows his God and he cuts through. And nobody notices David, but God notices David. And you know what? David notices David. He goes, you know what? I know me. I know there's something different about me. I know that God could use me to do this. The second thing he does is he cuts through the obstacle of um, people in authority in his life telling him he can't do it. So he, he goes to Saul and Saul is an amazing warrior himself. Saul um, led an army of 330,000 men into battle and had a huge victory against the Ammonites. Saul is famous, he's experienced, he's the king, he's got the goods to do the job. And so David goes to his authority and he says to his authority, um, you know, I want to fight this battle against Goliath. That's what I imagine David to be, young, ruddy, handsome. Um, you know, and he goes up to famous Saul and Saul basically says, you can't do it. Like, no way, you can't do this, you're not experienced, you haven't got what it takes. You know, he's big. 
And we don't know, part of Saul's insecurities were probably, you can't do this, I should be doing this. And if some kid comes in here and does this, then what does that make me look like? You know, I'm the king, I'm the one who's got all the experience. And now the truth was, Saul was afraid of, of Goliath. And that's what this revealed. Um, and so we see what happens next is Saul essentially goes, you want to do it? Go. go. Go and do it. Make it happen. And so in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 40, says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a, a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And straight away he says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Um, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the, steam, uh, the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And so he just says, I can't, I can't do this. I can't be who you're trying to make me to be. You're trying to make me like the king, maybe so that the king can get some credit. You know, I can't be that guy. I've got to be this guy. And it says here, and I only really just saw this now, he took his shepherd's bag. He didn't just go grab some bag. He grabbed the bag that he, he knew this bag. This was his bag. And in actual fact, it actually attached him to this person he was. He, he was just a shepherd. So he took that bag, that, that thing that says, you're just a shepherd. You're not a warrior. You're a shepherd. You're not a king. And I'm pretty sure, if memory serves me right, he had already been anointed as king. And so he knows what he's called to be. He knows who he is, but he takes a shepherd's bag and he grabs five smooth stones and he grabs those stones and his sling and he goes and approaches this massive guy, Goliath, this huge thing in his life. And maybe you've approached things in your life before and you've done it from the perspective of, okay, I've got to do this, so I'm going to be somebody else and I'm going to steal myself and I'm going to go and I'm going to try to make this thing happen. But you need to know who you are. Who are you? Can you answer that question? Who are you and who is God? And you know, when I imagine David getting the stones, he's not, this is just my imagination, but I don't see evidence of him being panicked or in a hurry because he knows this. He, he grabs the stones and, and he's like, I, I know what I'm doing here. I, I don't think he's like, oh, quick, the armor's not working. Grab some stones, runs over to Goliath, oh, quick throws one and oh, it works. I think he's, he's not afraid. He's calm. He's unhurried because finally he can just breathe out and he can just be a shepherd. He can be the shepherd that God has made him to be. And he even says, you know, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear and I'm, you know, I've killed all these things and, you know, this guy's going to be just like them. God is going to deliver um, him into my hand. So know who you are. And then the third thing that you're going to need to cut through is whatever is your Goliath. What's, what's your Goliath? What's the thing that you are fearful of? Like, I've got to go through this. I've got to do it. So number one, don't let your family upbringing or the voice you have in your head or that tape that plays of who you are stop you. Number two, authority over us. We know the Bible says to, to pay attention to your authority, listen to authority, but this is obviously a little bit of a contradiction there. So what I want to say is don't cut your family, cut through your family. Don't cut 
authority. Don't go, that's it, I'm doing it anyway. David submitted to Saul. He went through the process. He did the right thing, but he still had to cut through what that authority thought of him. And third, you've got to cut through to Goliath. We see this again from verse 42 of the same chapter. He looked David over, this is Goliath, and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now, I don't know what David was feeling, but if it was me, I would be petrified. This guy is coming at me and it's scary. Um, I happen to have been into, in a couple of fights in my time. And while I sort of think, oh, I think I've got this, part of me goes, oh, I'm a little bit scared. So you're like, how's this going to play out? What's going to happen? Who knows how David was feeling? But I know that a lot of us have Goliaths and we are afraid. And what are you going to do today? Are you going to choose to allow fear to stop you from going through? Or are you going to say, you know what, I know my God and I know my quirky self and so I'm going to walk forward and doing it. Um, I've just got here, knowing who you are and who God is will give you confidence. And I actually felt as I wrote this, there's a lot of people here who you're actually trying your best to be confident and to be happy and to go forward and make people happy and please other people. But would you just focus on knowing your God? Know your God. Do your daily office. Honestly, this is my, I'm not saying this because I'm good at it and I'm the preacher and I'm trying to make you do it. I suck at daily office. I hate it. It annoys the living daylights out of me. I've got sharks to fry, right? things to do. I, I, want, I want to make things happen. If you don't know what that means, come talk to me later. Um, and, but it is worthwhile to know God. You will get a confidence that you, you can't get anywhere else. When you know God and you know yourself and you're willing to be who you are and you're willing to let God be who he is, then you will have an incredible um, confidence. Because you know what? There's only one of you. Don't try to be someone else. There's only one of you, so be who you are. You are absolutely unique. So know who you are, know your God, and go and do that. Um, I thought as an example to show you, um, and in a moment I'm going to ask Russ to come up on stage. We're going to do a little thing. Um, as I was preparing my message, this is to show you how unique I am. I was sitting on the couch preparing my message with my laptop, if you can imagine it. Um, sitting there on the laptop doing some work and I was like, yeah, you know, going through it all as you do. And the next thing, had a little burp. That's what happens when you're just sitting there by yourself and no one's home. You don't think you're going to share that with the whole church. I had a little burp and I had this moment of just a massive freak out. Because I promise you, grey smoke came from my mouth and out of my nose and everywhere. And I just, I had no, there was no part of my brain that goes, oh yeah, we know what's happening here. I just went, am I dying? What's going on? Smoke's not meant to come from there. Here's what happened. I took a magnesium tablet earlier, about half an hour, to help my back feel a little bit better. And it got stuck in my esophagus and it's all grey powder. And so then I burped that powder up. You are unique. Be who you are. I googled it. That's how you fix everything. I'm like, what? I didn't drink enough water. I have to have like a lot more water. So 
you know, next time if you're having magnesium tablets, that's for free. Drink lots of water or try it and it's really fun. But, um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is the point there is you are unique. Be who you are because there really is something so releasing about being who you are um, and being who God has made you to be. It doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. It means just obey God through the framework of this is who I am. All right, so, you know, time's gone away on me and so I really want to wrap this up. So I'm going to have to skip ahead a little bit. But, you know, right now, I, I think we've got an important decision to make. You heard Russ say really well that, you know, it's not until you actually did it that you got more courage. And, you know, for whatever those areas are for you, you know, maybe you've got to cut through, you know, who you, who you think you are from the voices of your childhood through your family. Or maybe you've just felt like, um, you know, people in authority over you haven't given you the freedom or those kind of things. And you've got to cut through that. Or now you just need to cut through with Goliath and just step out and just go and, and just confront that thing. Get out of the trenches and go out onto the to the to the field and go and confront that thing by being your true self. That's what we're really talking about here today. Who are you and go and be your true self. And so you've got to weigh for yourself, weigh up for yourself right now. How important is the approval of people over the death of your soul? Because I know for me, while I'm, you know, I was trying to be that person as a teenager who was a bit more vocal and a bit more Dancy, if you could be dancy, I don't know what that is. But um, as I was trying to be that person, because I did try a couple of times, I just felt like my soul was dying. And it actually had the opposite effect because it actually stopped me even more. It threw me back into the introverted cave and I was just like, ah, leave me by myself. But the more I was just knowing God and knowing who I am and being that person, the more confidence I had because it wasn't a confidence based on what I do, it was a, co a confidence based on the gospel and who God is and what he's done for me and the, 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 the sin that I've been forgiven of and how God loves me anyway. And God loves you anyway. Maybe you've had no success in being your true self. And I want to say possibly that's because you haven't had a revelation of God that just says, you know what? When you confess your sin, you are made right you are accepted. You are okay. Because that's what God will do. That's what he's promised to do. And so right now, I want to close by reading a little section of Psalm 23. And right now, I'm going to give you opportunity. Again, we're, we're putting this into action. Today, we've talked about the daily office. I want to give you an opportunity just to close your eyes right now and have a moment between you and God. And I'm going to read... He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And I'm going to read that a couple of times. And I want you to start to open up your spirit and say, God, what areas of my life do I need to have your, your light shined on where I'm not being my, tr my true authentic self? And maybe you'll get stuck on the word He. Maybe you'll be like, He, you know what? It's about God. This is about God. It's about what? what He is, or guides me. You know, God guides. He doesn't, doesn't like force you. God guides. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Maybe you can get stuck on the word me. I'm important to God. And so as we take this time right now, this, this is an opportunity, I hope for you, to, 
for us to create an opportunity for you to say, God, speak to me. So I'm going to read it a few times. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And as you think about that right now, I want to invite you to get out of the trenches and get into the battle. Be your true self in God. Don't be a false version of who God has made you. And you can, you can open your eyes unless you're still in a moment, and that's fine. But as I close right now, I, I feel like I'm coming to you not just with information, but I'm actually coming to you with as somebody who's been down this road before. I never knew it as formally as we put it with EHS. But I'm telling you, if you will cultivate those deep moments of reflection to God, if you will be more self-aware and say, God, why am I so driven? Why am I so this or that or angry or upset? Or why do I do these things? Or why do I not make time for this? You start to learn who you are, maybe the wounds that you carry. I believe that what you need to do now is have have uh, confidence and courage and it's okay to be fearful but just step out despite that fear and so as we close right now we are finished I want to invite you um, to respond if that's you if you feel like you know what I know I've got something to confront I know I've got deep wounds to to be healed Um, but you know what I I just I, I lack the courage I'm full of fear I don't know what to do. It's a hard thing. Nobody around me knows. Maybe your own family don't even know what you go through. And I think it's time for you to be able to say, God, I just need your help. So we're going to have the front open. Um, Thanks for being here today, braving this cold morning. Uh, Why don't you go to the cafe, enjoy a coffee or some food and and some friendship with people. Um, But right now, why don't you come up the front if that's you as well. Thanks, guys.